This is Great Dane Nation, presented by Vegas Insider. I'm your host, Morton Anderson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Freeze Pops. Tommy, tell everybody what we have this week. Morton, thanks as always for having me, and week two of the NFL regular season is upon us, and we have one of your newly minted Hall of Fame brothers joining us on the show, one of the greatest safeties in NFL history, the great Steve Atwater stops by. Then we'll go into Morton's Fast Five for week two, where we'll touch on the five biggest matchups of the NFL weekend, and finally, we'll close things out with Morton's game winner, but before we get to all of that, Let's get to the opening kick. Morton Anderson kicks off, and it's a beauty through the end zone. And Morton Anderson has been doing that with regularity this season and throughout his illustrious career. Shaboy! I wanted to start out by saying that I am so excited. I didn't realize I was going to be this excited about football being back and football being back with fans in the stands. It also reminded me how, how much I missed it. You know, the normalcy of it, the rhythm of it, the cadence of it. And it did not, did not disappoint. Wow, what a weekend we had in week one, starting with Tampa Bay and Dallas on Thursday night. And then, which was a fantastic game, I learned a lot, a lot about Dak Prescott. Man, he was good. He balled. So did Tom Brady. He's the GOAT for a reason. Got it done anyway. But what a great game to start the NFL season. The commissioner was there, fans were there, the cannons were flying off the battleship, off, I guess it's not a battleship, it's some kind of... It's a pirate ship. Pirate ship, there we go. And football had officially kicked off the 2021 season. And then while my Saints took care of business against a very disappointing Aaron Rodgers who got benched and looked like he got benched, if you look at his face it was sad and great games kansas city coming back against cleveland and then monday night football wow talk about bookends from the thursday to the monday and the raiders taking care of business in las vegas the very first game with fans in the new stadium out there it was a great game mark jackson is absolutely a beast but two crucial turnovers and the Raiders got it done in the end. So let me just bookend this Great Day Nation podcast by saying football is back, and I'll be talking more about that later in my game runner. Yeah, it was an exciting week one, and you saw a lot of underdogs getting the job done in the first week of the season, and it kind of speaks to something that you've mentioned in episodes recently. It's a clean slate for everybody. Like everyone came into this season thinking the Bills are gonna be one of the two or three best teams in the AFC, and they still might be. Mm-hmm. And everyone was talking about how the Steelers are going to be this team that's on the down tick, right? Yeah. Steelers go into Buffalo and they get the job done. Yeah, they get the job done. Jacksonville does not get the job done. Houston gets the job done. I thought Houston was gonna be the worst. And they they spanked Jacksonville, and I mean, who who would have thought who would have thought that the Saints were gonna win by thirty five? It was insane. Jameis Winston looked like a guy that can be a capable starter for New Orleans. Now, I don't know that fourteen completions moving forward is going to be a sustainable model to win NFL football games, yeah. but. I think Sean Payton showed that he's got a plan, man. Oh, and five touchdowns with like 148 yards passing or whatever it was. Right. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Very efficient. And I love Jameis. I love his post-game comments were hilarious. Yeah. My like, trainer told me, uh, what did my trainer tell me again? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Preparation, you know. If you prepare well, you will have success. Something like that, you know. I love it. <laughs> it was great. Oh, uh, it was just a great, great start to the season, man. I'm, I'm fired up. I watched a lot of football. I'm sure you did too, Freeze. I watched so much football. I watched college football. My Spartans took care of business again. You know, against Youngstown State. I know, I know. But hey, Jaworski went there. The Polish rifle. Hey, a win is a win. You gotta win the games you're supposed to win, right? Yeah. So this this is I'm sure Steve Adwater has has been watching games too. Watched his Denver Broncos take care of business. They looked pretty good. They really did. Uh, I should note that we recorded this a few weeks ago, 
and did not know about the Jerry Judy injury that occurred in week one. So if you're wondering why we don't bring up Jerry Judy's injury here in the interview with a guy who's completely plugged in with the Broncos, that is why. And let's get to that conversation with Steve Atwater. Let's kick it, man. I want to welcome my good, good friend, Hall of Fame brother, newly elected Hall of Fame brother, Steve Atwater to Great Dane Nation. Steve, how does it sound? How does it feel? It sounds good and it feels even better. <laughs> I'm surprised I'm not seeing you in your gold jacket right now. I slept in that thing for about two weeks after I got in, man. I, I was like, hey, I'm not taking this thing off. I got cigar ashes on it. I got red wine on it, man. I got a second jacket. I got yeah. a third jacket because I, a Sharpie from a fan got it. Have oh. you? Are you clean? Is it clean? It's clean right now. Uh, the first night that I had that, that we received it, we at the gold jacket ceremony. You know, Dennis Smith and I, we were riding together over to my party. I believe our back from the party, one, one of the two. Yeah. And he had some wine. He spilled on it. No, he, it, but it was like it was white wine. Unfortunately, oh. he kind of spilled it on the seat, and it got on my jacket. Like, oh, DS. And then it, I found it was another spot I had up here from somewhere. I don't know where it came from. Oh, yeah, but you're lucky it was white wine. See, it was exactly. I spilled red wine. Oh, no, no, no. No chance. Yeah, you're done. You're no done. chance. I was done. And then cigar ash, <laughs> like not just the ash, but like the tip the of the cigar. It was not a full hole in the in the lapel, but it was it was a great night. You know, the after party, which I'm sure you can relate to because you just had yours. Absolutely. I mean, it was a great night because it's a whirlwind. Let's face it. Those four or five days in yes. Canton, Ohio. It's a little stressful, when, too. When you're the man, oh, it's stressful. And you got to <laughs> manage your time. You got to get your sleep. You got to hydrate all these things. And then you got all these responsibilities to see everybody, your friends, your family, your coaches. You got a little anxiety about the speech, right? Boy, a lot. Which, by the way, you did a great job. I just listened to it again. Oh, thank you. I had to get to my zone beforehand, man. I I, I was I had my mindset like I was about to play a football game. I like I can't have any distractions. I had to got to get honed in. Uh, I can't cry because if I cry, I'll be up there for a half an hour, and I didn't have that much time. So uh, yeah, you know, we take bets. The guys, you know, we take bets every year on who's going to be the first crier. Oh boy, who was, who was the first crier? I think it might have been uh, Steve Hutchinson. Was he the first one to cry? I believe so because uh, we were sitting there and, you know, he also yeah, we, were, we were sitting right next to each other. <laughs> and he, I don't know what happened, man, but Steve. He looked at his wife and his kids, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, that's usually like a slam dunk when you start talking about your family. Oh, <laughs> man. Because you've been through so much, right? Now, now check this out, more. So when I got back, I saw some pictures of when I was up on the stage and they had a picture of my mom behind me. Hmm. And I'm glad that the picture was behind me because if it would have been in front of me, it would have been over for me too. Because I couldn't yeah. see the picture. You know, we're we're talking out to the audience, but we don't see all the pictures that are going on behind us. And yeah. man, I saw that picture. Uh, man, yeah. I, th I may have been somebody sent it to me, and I was like, oh man. Yes. You know, they did. That, they that, do that a nice. Job. There. You did a really nice job thanking your kids and your wife, man. That was very, very well done and, and very emotional. And when they zoom in on each individual, like, you know, child and then your wife, and then you're talking to her and you, you know, I remember from me, you know, when I'm talking about my oh. wife and, and then she starts breaking down and then you're trying not to break down. It, be, okay. it can, it can become pretty, uh, I you know. know, see, I went through that. I went through that in my mind yes. beforehand, and I said, I'm not going to look directly at her because yeah. all my kids, I'm looking their direction, but I can't look right at them because I know I'll be gone, bro. <laughs> I, I know I would have been gone. Steve, you've had a minute now to, to take a deep breath. I hope you have anyway. Got, gotten some rest, get, getting a little hydrated, right? And, no, I've, uh, had, I've had some, some time to think about it. And, think yeah. about it. Is there an event, is there a moment that stands out to you, or is it a blur? What stood out to me most, uh, you know, and I was I was thinking that the gold jacket ceremony would be the moment that I looked forward to the most. And I was. I looked forward to it and it was great. But 
after the Goals to Jackie ceremony, we had the party at Brookside Country Club, and it was it was perfect, man. It was better than I could have even imagined. And I've said this several times since I left there. How many times do you get to get all of your best friends from you know little league ball, high school ball, college, and the NFL with your family, cousins, aunts, uncles? brother-in-laws, in-laws, you never get that except for at a funeral. But we had that on that Friday night, man. And it was the most beautiful time. Uh, Everyone got along wonderfully. Everybody, we've gotten great feedback from the connections that people were making with one another. And that was just, that was our hope from the beginning that, you know, all of our friends could kind of meet up and kind of interact and see what kind of good people helped me get to this point. And, uh, you know, they got a good chance to see that, man. And, and you know, it goes to show, man, you, you can't get to the Hall of Fame by yourself, man. You, it just It's impossible. You're right. I had my high school coach there, uh, came over as an exchange student, and he was instrumental in me actually playing football. He introduced me to the game, uh, Bob, Bob Wilbur. And then he went, he was very sick with cancer when he came to my induction, passed away a week later. Oh, so man. Almost feel like Almost feel like he was hanging on to yep, get that experience. That. Yeah. I know that you have talked about a coach in St. Louis when you went there and played high school ball. Yeah. Coach Russell. Mike Russell. That's him. He was there. Talk to me about his mentorship, what he meant to you. And I know you, you alluded to it a little bit in your speech, but because you only have eight minutes, it's not a format where you can go into uh, into depth. But I'm, I'm really interested in hearing all my guys when, when the Hall of Famers talk about who made a difference to him turned something around, sparked something in you, mentored you, taught you the wisdom. Give it to me, Steve, from uh, Mike Russell. I started playing football when I was eight years old, and I had some good, you know, youth football coaches that, you know, uh, got me to be tough. And, you know, we had great systems that we ran and all that. We won a lot of football games. I I was not used to ever losing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so when I got to Lutheran North, uh, I was on the the B team my first couple of years. My freshman year, I messed up my shoulder. Second year, really my first year playing in high school. And then my last two years, uh, I was on the varsity with with Coach Mike Russell as the head coach. Mm -hmm. And I know that he was the person that was interacting with the different colleges. And uh, I was a pretty good basketball player too. And I remember him coming to me and asking me, some basketball teams are reaching out to me, some colleges about basketball. What do you want me to tell them? And I told him, I said, coach, I don't even want to play basketball in college because I just, you know, I just gotten good like my sophomore year. My, my freshman year, dude, I was like, we had 15 people on our team. I was like the 14th person off the bench. Yeah. And then my sophomore year, I came back. I was pretty good. And then I, you know, my junior year, I averaged 18, 20 points a game, bunch of rebounds. Um, but he just, he was a guy who listened to me. Uh, he didn't try to push me into playing basketball, but he loved football anyway. And he loved rugby. I would walk in the locker room, you know, sometimes early. I see him after we got done with basketball practice sometimes. He'd come from rugby practice, face all scratched up you know, kind of moaning and groaning, uh, you know, walking through the locker room. And I got to be honest, man, from 1984, that's the year I graduated from high school to he was at my party. He looks amazing. Look, he hasn't aged. Like he must have put himself in a time machine or something. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, when you have passion for what you do and energy, right, you don't you don't age because you 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 embrace what you're doing and it's it becomes a timeless thing. But not only that, like he's still involved with the school. I mean, the commitment that he has to developing young people, you know, Mm -hmm. spreading the gospel, Mm -hmm. he's just, he's all in on it. And he's made a huge impact on many young men's lives there in St. Louis. And uh, I I was lucky to be one of them. And, you know, I I just couldn't, couldn't forget him uh, in my speech. Uh, You know, he called Holsham and my (laughs) basketball coach uh, who, who wasn't there. Uh, they're some, some great guys. Steve, was he the guy that gave you the nickname, the smiling assassin? I mean, no. what, a wild, what a wild nickname. I know you smile all the time. No, no, no. That nickname who, came from Charlie Waters. Okay. Charlie, you know, you know, he played for the Cowboys. He was sure. uh, Cliff Harris's uh, presenter, mm-hmm. my good friend. Uh, and I thought about him as being my presenter as well. But, you know, Dennis, I had to go with Dennis. But sure. yeah, Charlie Waters, he made that nickname up my rookie year 
you know, because I go in there and full speed, bam. And then I get up laughing or, you know, just having a good time. And he, he made that nickname. I thought it was, I still think it's kind of corny, but it's cool. I like it. <laughs> Well, it's it's contradicting, right? <laughs> because right, I don't right. I don't know how many on, right. I don't know how many assassins are smiling uh, unless right. they're really really sure of themselves. <laughs> Which maybe you probably were. You probably were pretty sure, and you were known for ferocious hitting. I just got done watching a YouTube clip. Uh, you're famous for it. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. I know you were playing. I was a Monday night game. Uh, you're playing uh, against Kansas City, and they had a big running back, of course, Christian Okoye, yeah. whose nickname was the Nigerian, Nigerian Nightmare. Nightmare. Yeah, Nigeria. And nobody could get their head across this guy and push him back, but the hit that you delivered on this particular evening defined you in some ways yeah. as a ferocious physical tackler. I know that you probably weren't planning on doing that, but you certainly knew he was in the game. <laughs> Was it the you know, perfect the, storm? Was it the perfect storm? Or? It was. It was. It was a perfect storm, and it's so crazy because I happened to be mic'd up for that game too. And I remember, oh, um, yeah, Jeff Takamano, our, our famous <laughs> media guy here in Denver, and he went to Broncos for years. He just stepped down a couple of years ago. He was asking me all week, "Hey, Steve, uh, you know, can we mic you up for the game?" I'm like. Man, against Christian Okoye and the Chiefs, I don't know. <laughs> but as we got close to the end of the week, uh, I, I I gave in and said yes. Uh, but you know, it wasn't like I, it was just a definite yes. Yeah, let's just do it. You know, it, it wasn't like that. <laughs> it was definitely had some hesitation there, uh, especially knowing, you know, back then with the running game, teams would try to enforce their will on you. And you know, Dennis and I, that was our job to make sure that they didn't do that. And and you know, give us a chance to, you know, get the ball back for our offense and all the good, all the things, you know, defenses try to do. So, yeah, I was um, a little bit concerned going into the game, but, you know, once the game started, you know, just got in, get, got into the groove and got into the zone and it just, yeah. bam, it just, it just happened. But, you know, there was a big shift when Wade Phillips came in because the, the Broncos run defense hadn't been very good. It was, you know, 27 out of 28 at the time. And, you know, you come and Wade comes and he he maybe puts you a little closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, your yeah. size helps. Your physicality <laughs> helps. Definitely helps. And, and all of a sudden the Broncos are in the top 10 in run, in run defense. So can you talk to me a little bit about that shift when Wade came in, that philosophy, and how that helped you maybe at the position too? Wade's first year was my first year. So and I'd heard a lot of – about what the teams had done in previous years. Uh, and so I, I just think the whole mentality was different. Uh, I think they played a lot of man-to-man in previous years, but we went to more of a cover two concepts uh, with us, you know, reading the right keys and being able to get up there and uh, support the run fairly quickly. Um, yes. He just did a great job of, of utilizing Dennis and me because, you know, I, Dennis hit harder than I did. Uh, a lot of people say uh, that's not true, but I, it's all the way true. I played with Dennis. You ask any of my teammates, you ask anybody who's played with me, with Dennis or against Dennis, and they'll tell you, anybody who's gotten hit by him, it's like, man, that guy is a beast. Uh, and so having both of us on the defense uh, and Dennis being the uh, the veteran who kind of took me under his wings and kind of showed the young pup what the ropes were like. Yeah. Uh, that was super helpful for me. Yeah. Hey, I just want to get let you know something too. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know. Do you know Brandon McManus? Of course. Okay, yeah, because man, he, he's a he great, great he, loves, he loves you, bro. You know that, right? Well, I mean, anything he needs from me, I'm here for him. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what I can do. He's pretty. He's pretty good on his own. He's he's awesome. He's an awesome guy. He's awesome a big guy. Big guy. I just want to let you know that. Yeah, man. I met, I met him. No, no, I met him at uh, Peyton's party, and had to be pretty cool for you. And I'm jumping back and forth a little bit, but that's me party, jumping. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. Let's go. It doesn't matter. We can. We're uh, we're just two brothers talking. But it had to be pretty cool with Peyton Manning and John Lynch also being oh, doctor this year, and and seeing the you know the Broncos Nation there, and being part of uh, not just for you, Steve, but a couple other guys that had great history with the Broncos. Yeah, and it's it's so crazy how that worked out to where you know with the pandemic, obviously there were 
a ton of negatives involved, but I think that was a great positive that, you know, us mm-hmm. really going in the same year. It's kind of, it's crazy that John Lynch and I end up going in the same year. Uh, I remember back in, I want to say 2018 or so, when the Super Bowl was in Atlanta, we were both finalists. And I thought, you know, you know how when you don't make it, you got to get on the bus with it, you know. Uh, all yeah, yeah. I, I, well, yeah, we you and I have been on the bus together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you did well, it longer than me, you know, and and Lynchy too. Um, yeah, Lynch did it longer, I think, than that, both of them. That begs the question, Steve, was there ever a time when you say, man, I, I'm not getting in? You know, I never said that, but I questioned whether I would get in and I questioned, you know, hey, was my career just in my head? You know, I, I thought I was a pretty good player. You were worthy. Then, then, worthy. You see, then you see other players going in and you like, dang, man, I think I played, you know, my, my play was on the same level or, you know, just under it or just over it. No, it's listen, once you get the gold jacket, it doesn't matter. It's a great equalizer. No, no, that matter. It's a yeah. great equalizer. It doesn't matter what position or what your stats are. You got a bronze bust in Ken, Ohio. That's going to last a really long time. You got a gold jacket and you got a Hall of Fame ring. You're going to have a you're going to have a nice Hall of Fame ring. And those three iconic symbols of inclusion into the hall is that's forever, man. You know, and yeah. Deacon Jones said it. You can't die. You can't even you can't get cut from this roster. You can't even die from it. Yep. Which is kind of nobody, wild. Nobody, nobody, nobody ever have our our numbers. We got our numbers forever. Yeah. Will you have a ceremony uh, in Denver then? Yeah, we'll have a ceremony. Uh, we'll we'll have the celebration of the ring the ring ceremony. And that'll be I think what week uh, week six or so. But yeah, yeah it's going it's going to be great. Dave Baker's going to come out, and uh, I think there'll be some other festivities there at the stadium. I think John Lynch and. Uh, John Lynch and Mike Shanahan going nice. into the Ring of Fame as well. So oh, uh, hopefully nice. we'll get to all celebrate together. Um, and you know Mike Shanahan, he he yes. needs to be in the Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, yes, you know he I'm does. just saying, I'm just putting it out there. You know, I'm, I'm waiting on him and Dick Vermeil. So yeah. those are my guys that I'd yeah. love to see in there. Hey, Steve, can we talk about the Broncos uh, year 2021? Uh, I know you're connected, obviously, with, with the team. You follow the team on a regular, and mm-hmm. uh, and your opinion matters. Who's going to play the majority of the season at quarterback, do you think? <laughs> is it Teddy Bridgewater or Drew, or Drew Luck, or is it a combination of both? You know what? Uh, that remains to be seen. Um, you know, I also – feel like one of the things that's going to be a determining factor is how well the offensive line plays. Last year, many times, as soon as Drew Locke uh, received the ball from Lloyd Cushenberry, there'd be pressure in his face. If those interior three guys can play well, I think both of these quarterbacks are going to have a a chance to to flourish. But, man, Mm. I I just don't know because, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, he has a lot of experience, what they may call the safer bet. But Drew Locke has the big playability, and we saw it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is he has to make sure that when the deep ball isn't there, that he tucks it, throws out of bounds, you know, tries to run, does something other than force the ball, which is uh, what got him into trouble last year. So let's pray, you know, pretend I'm looking at the Broncos roster, and I'm, I'm looking at one of the most talented rosters overall in the I league. Agree. Yes. Uh, and so if it wasn't for the, you know, I don't want to say the instability at quarterback, but a little bit the uncertainty. What what's the what's the ceiling for this team? What can it be? Let's say that they figure it out at quarterback. You guys figure it out. What's the ceiling here? I I think the ceiling the, the sky is the limit. Um and we got some young guys who didn't really fully break out last year, Jerry Judy, uh and K.J. Hamler, they didn't really do – I don't think reached their potential last year. K.J. Hamler was hurt quite a bit last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Judy had several drops last year. But those guys, they, they are top-tier receivers along with mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the tight ends uh, with, with Noah Fant and Albert Okwebunam, uh, you know, That's a tough we, one we, to say, man. That's, say that three got, times fast. Yeah, I mean, we, we have we have all the players in place, yeah. but some of the guys are unproven because last year just wasn't a great year. Yeah. And hopefully they can shake that off and, and still have the confidence and go out there and play like champions and and, uh, and be great. You know, I got to talk to you about that young safety. 
Justin, uh, Justin Simmons. You oh, know, he yeah. signed a massive four-year deal, right? And what do you like about Justin Simmons' game? And what advice have you given him? Any advice, or would we, you give we, him? We, we've talked several times, but you know how it is when you're the old guy, and you know you go around. Old and guy who's a Hall of Famer. I know, but 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 hey, but sometimes old guys give too much advice, and I like to you know kind of see how guys are and, and try to I'm tell them you. different things that I think I'm would help you. their game. And that's that's kind of the, the role that I try to play. Uh try to just help out where I can and, and he'll whatever questions he asks me, you know, I'll answer any of them at any time. Yeah. But I just don't like forcing my way on the people, you know, because we all have different a different set of eyes, you know, different ways of thinking about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm so proud of him, man. He came in here, uh, I think it was a third or fourth round draft pick and you know, just worked his way up and continued to uh, to get better and better each year. And, you know, with the system that they're running, with the coaches, Ed Donatel and Vic Fangio, he's just in the right place, right time, and he's a heck of a player. He's not afraid to tackle. You know, he's got great hands. I wish I had those hands, man. I probably would have had 40 picks. For, it would make <laughs> made me a little bit easier selection for me to get in there, man. All right, I got you. But uh, he just has all the talents, man. And, all yeah, the teams, that- and in addition to that, He's a superb leader. Uh, okay. you know, he's the kind of guy that guys look up to on the team. I look, I look up to him, man. I, I enjoy, you know, listening to him talk, listening to him get the guys fired up. He, he just, he's just a, a great person, man, and I'm really happy for him. And then you got this much hyped Patrick Sertain the second. So as as one of the all time great DBs, okay, I'm talking about you now. Is is Sertain going to live up to the hype, or you think he already has? He's he's living up to it now. We're right in the midst of it. Right. And I definitely think he is. I think yeah. this guy, if he stays healthy, will be Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl. He's going to have turnovers. He's going to help the offense, help the, sorry, help the defense get off the field, get the ball back for the offense. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a leader. We see all that right now. And this um, – so yes. I, I think the sky's the limit for him. And his father's played a – I'm sure his mom did too a, – a big role in his life in terms of his football smarts. I love to see that when, you know, a father can have that kind of impact on on his son's career. You know, sure. I think his son realized that too. Like, man, I, I'm, I'm talented, but I got, the, I got the brains to be able to think about football on a higher level than most people coming in as a rookie. Yeah, it's special when it's passed down through the generations and it makes sense and it's actually applicable to to the on the field. Sometimes it doesn't resonate with the sun, right? Sometimes right. it's just there's a disconnect or there's a who knows for whatever yeah, reason. I don't want anything you got to say. <laughs> yeah, right. But when right. it works, oh, man, it's magic. You're right. So yeah. that, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Last year on, on this particular podcast, I had Terrell Davis on. And okay. uh, he told me that Von Miller is the second greatest Bronco of all time behind John Elway. Do you agree with TD? Oh, man. You know what? There are some great there are some great guys who've played in this franchise. Um, I'm putting you on the, the spot a little bit. But the impact the, the impact that he's had, I, I would probably say so, too, because he's played well in big games. He played well in not so big games. And he's a guy that. If he decides, all right, I'm going to get three sacks against you, he's going to get three sacks. He's got to he's got to put it in his mind. He can do whatever he wants to do on the field. Um, and we missed him last year. And, you know, uh, Bradley Chubb, I think, missed playing with him last year too. And we'll finally get a chance to see both of them on the field together this year. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Von Miller, uh, man, he's yeah. just, he's just a, a great player too, man. Great, amazing player. Always a fun guy. You know, he's a guy who takes all the pressure off. You're in the huddle. He's going to crack a joke or something and, you know, yeah. loosen everybody up. Yes. And I think you need, though. You got to have those guys. You, you have the guys who are, you know, the serious guys. Then you got to have some, a couple of guys that keep things light and where, you know, people aren't all so tense when, when you're playing in the game. So I always try to uh, do that. You know, another guy, Kenny Stable, and I'm dating myself, but the snake. Oh, yeah. The from snake. Oakland, you know. He yes. used to – uh Man, he used to diffuse the pressure. He used to just crack a joke in the most stressful situations. Everybody would laugh, and they'd go, "Hey, here we go, huddle up," and it would yeah. be, you know, it'd be one of those things. I think I get the feeling that Von Miller's the same way a little bit. Yeah. Were you that type of guy? Or you were, you were just full speed intense. Yeah, I wasn't so much uh, the Joker, you know, um, 
I think Sharp was the guy on our team for that. Shannon Sharp and Keith Burns. Sure. They they kept they kept us loose. Uh yeah. But I was more the guy, hey, come on, man, let's go, full speed. Let's go. Let's go. Let's <laughs> yeah, get yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of full speed, uh, Steve, who who's the best safety in the game today and why? Oh man, that's a good one, man. Uh is it not Justin Simmons? We just talked about that, didn't we? You can say any it's hey, it's your answer. We got Justin. Well, we have we have some other safeties. We have Derwin James, who's been injured the last year, year and a half. Uh, I think he's a great safety when he's healthy. Uh, Jamal mm -hmm. Adams is another great safety. Buddha Baker out there in Arizona. Everybody talks about the play where he intercepted it and was running back. And who was that who caught him? Metcalf. 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 Yes. Metcalf. Oh, that's it. Metcalf. Yeah, he ran him down. Oh man, Woo. ran him down, man. But uh, he, all right, those are good. Uh, yeah. Who's yeah. the hardest? So, who's the hardest hitter in the game today, and why? Ooh, man, pound for pound, Kareem Jackson. Okay, <laughs> pound for pound, Kareem Jackson. Uh, just you know, I like uh, Jonathan Abram with the Raiders. Mm -hmm. He flies around sometimes, a little bit out of control, mm -hmm. but I love his intensity with, with, with which he plays the game. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Adams too, man. I mean, it's like, it's quite a few guys who who can bring. Yeah, another it's, guy who this year I think is gonna gonna be pretty nice uh, for us. We have a rookie guy named Caden Stearns. Uh, he's out of University of Texas, and then another rookie, uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, with the Cleveland Browns. He's actually playing kind of a hybrid position, kind of at the linebacker, but he's. I think he's more of a safety, but man, he's a physical guy. I, mm -hmm. I watched some of his tape from. Uh, last week's game, and uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be a great player for them. Steve, let me uh, let me finish by playing a little name game with you. I'll I'll say a name, and whatever comes to mind when I say that name, it uh -oh. could be a word, it could be a sentence, or whatever you want to say. You ready to try this, man? Uh, more, man. You know, man, I've taken too many hits over the years, man. I'm not gonna be too <laughs> I'm not gonna be too good at this. But let's try. No, let's it's go. not a it's not a quiz. It's whatever you think about the player or the coach. Right. John Elway. Guys and Musa. John, John John Elway. If I say John Elway to you, you say leader, greatness. Mike Shanahan. Genius, organized. Terrell Davis. Beast. You know, fast, strong, smart, courageous. You know, plan the coach tell him, go out there. You don't have to see. You don't have to see anything on this play. Just go out there, and he didn't blink. He just ran on the field. How many times did that happen, Mort? Yeah, you're right. He was amazing. Shannon Sharp, funny, extremely talented, life of the team, uh, discipline. Rod Smith. Hands for days. His hands are way larger than mine's, and I'm I'm taller than he is. Um, great friend, loyal, um, committed. Uh, loyal, committed. The same thing there. That's uh, fine. Consistent. Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves. Oh man, a guy with a great heart. He's going to work you. He's going to get the best out of you. He's caring and. A great coach. Yeah, I had him in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, we actually, yeah. We actually went to a Super Bowl in Atlanta against Denver in ninety. Oh, really? oh man! After the that. ninety, after the ninety-eight seasons, you guys beat us. I don't. Oh man! I, John oh. Elway's John Elway's last year. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I remember that game. I got a ring for that. But uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Can I see it? Can I at least see it? Do you have it's upstairs. It's oh, upstairs. don't worry about. Okay. Next time we get together, can I just see it? Because yeah, I have a loser's right. ring. You know what? I had it with me out there, too, man. Oh, man. Oh, my god! You're goodness. killing me, dog. You're killing me. Uh, you shouldn't have brought that up. Well, it was because of Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves, yeah, yeah. I hope he gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So do I. So do I. He's, he's deserving as well. Ed McCaffrey. Ed McCaffrey. The block. <laughs> Why? Well, uh, the block that he threw in Super Bowl 32, oh. I forget who it was. There was a linebacker who was trying to tackle Howard Griffith as he ran out to the left, and Eddie Mack cut back on him, oh. hit him, and then pointed at him, pointed down at him. Oh. Um, smart, uh, hard worker, great hands, family yeah, guy, you know. A guy you had just for one year in uh, with the New York Jets. Two guys coming up now, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. Oh, genius, unlimited 
clock. Yeah. <laughs> he can put some hours in, man. It, someday <laughs> you get in the next morning, like, dude, did he, he even go home? No, he didn't. Yeah, I think he just stayed there overnight sometimes. Uh, yeah. And just, you know, one heck of a coach. I got a chance to chop it up with him for a little bit out there, too, man. He just. What did you learn from Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells? Because that was the next guy I was going to mention. Well, but what did you soak up from them? You know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom there. They both coached differently, I think. I think Belichick was a guy who details, details, details. Yeah. And, you know, little things that I'd never really paid attention to, like when guys are rushing the passer, if the quarterback is throwing with his right arm, as you're going up, you want to have your left arm up to try and block that. You don't want to go up with two arms. You know, that's details of the position. Yes, yes. Uh, so just the details, that, that that detail, and then the practice in the red zone of how guys, secondary, uh, cornerback safeties, linebackers, when you're covering man-to-man, just practicing how once you get into the red zone, the guy's running around in the end zone, you can't leave any space in between you. You got to be in between him and the quarterback and be ready to get your hand up in there and work it down. And and they practice that. We practice that all the time and other places that the, the stress wasn't on that as much. So he's just a very detail oriented coach. Uh, I remember when, before one game, Brian Cox and I, we were talking and, and uh, I was telling her, I was like, man, this this is a lot. You know, it's a lot because we we make we're making adjustments if they go from regular set over to twins. And if a guy goes in motion, we make a different adjustment. And he's, so Belichick was walking out, and Brian said, "Hey, coach, this uh, this defense is a little too confusing." He's like, "All right, we'll take it out." Just like, like that. Man, it was that easy. I could have I could have did that. <laughs> I could have asked him about it, but you know, he uh, Brian, man, Brian Cox, he was an amazing teammate too. He's still a good yes. friend of mine too. Yes. Yes. Um, but, you know, he was just a guy who, he, whatever is out there, he's going to say it, you know, and I appreciate that about him. So B- Bill Belichick, detail-oriented, and Bill Parcells, maybe more big picture? Oh, what definitely was- big picture. Definitely big picture. Uh, CEO, you know, I think of Bill, Bill Parcells, I think CEO, because he's going to let the coaches do what they do. He's going to let the offensive coach do the offensive stuff, let the defensive coach do the defensive stuff. Yeah. He has a, an amazing understanding of what everyone's doing and knows how to, you know, speak the language, especially to the media, to make sure that, hey, the wrong thing isn't said uh, and exactly what he wants to be communicated is communicated. And he, he's great at that. And he's a great motivator, too. Uh, just with his words, he knows when guys need a little bit of a lift. He knows when not when guys need to be gotten on or chewed up a little bit, and, and he does that. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for both of them, uh, Parcells and and Bill Belichick. Bill Romanowski. Romo, my man. Who you want to go with you if you have a bar fight or any kind of fight, you know, a warrior. Uh, he's going he's to do anything to win. And just a great teammate. You know, I, I really enjoyed my time playing with Romo. Kyle Mecklenburg. Mac, oh, man, that's my guy there. Um, the, he was the first guy that I met when I walked into the Broncos facility as a rookie, and I saw Carl. And it, it felt like I was looking up like, damn. Well, he's a big guy. <laughs> he's a big guy, Steve. He is a big guy. Yeah, he's a big boy, man. Did he say something to you? Do you remember what he said to you when you walked in for the first time? I know, but he shook my hand, and I, I don't know if he had a, like a half a shirt or something on, and his arms just looked huge. I'm like, damn. Hey, Mr. Mecklenburg, how you doing, sir? Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the Broncos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the guy that owned him, Pat Bolin. Talk to me about Pat. Oh, man, just a man with the biggest heart in the world. He's, uh, you know, selfless, gone too soon. Just great leader. He's, he was everything, you know, everything you want to be, man. Everything you, you'd expect out of a a great leader. He, he was all of that. You know, I got to mention a kicker. So Jason Elam. Jay, that's my boy, man. Does he still have a record up here? I think he still has a record. Uh, clutch. Yes. Um, reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, he's quiet. Jason is a quiet person. He's not a real talker. No. Um, great family guy. Uh, and, yeah. you know, probably – one of the best kickers of all time, too. Yes, yes. Dennis Smith. Ah, oh, my brother. 
my teacher, uh, inspiration. He didn't just tell what, me, he showed me. What connected you to Dennis? For one, us playing the same position, you know, spending a lot of time together, uh, you know, on the field and meeting rooms. He was always kind uh, to me. He never, you know, treated me like I was a rookie. You know how some guys treat rookies yeah. like they're pieces of Condescending, track. condescending. Yeah, yeah. He, he was never – well, actually, none, none of the guys, none of the guys on our team were like that, you know. Yeah, it was a couple of guys here and there, but, you know, some guys, they don't last long. That is right. Yeah, he was just welcoming, welcoming, uh, yeah. and he, he was like a teacher, man. And I, I could tell he 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 had an interest in me right away, man. And I, I was lucky that I didn't ask a lot. I mean, I did ask a lot of questions, but you know what he said, I, I took it to heart. Like you know, I'm not going to question it. He said, "All right, be here after these many steps. I'm going to be there after that many steps." <laughs> I think that Dennis knew that you were going to be an asset pretty quickly. You were going to be a force to be reckoned with for the for those Denver Broncos. And I also think that one day he knew that you were going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, brother. And you are. And you are. So dis- and it's dis- so deserving. And I'm so, so happy and proud for you. I know we were never, you know, weren't teammates. But, uh, man, looking at the way you played the game and conducted yourself on and off the field – Man, big motivation for me, man. So I appreciate you oh, being man. a role model for me as well. Oh, and, back uh, at you, man. Hey, yeah. We staying out down in Atlanta, man. Yeah, so, good. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, back in the in in the crazy days, you know. Yeah. But um, I hope to see you soon uh, with the gold jacket on. Bring all your Super Bowl rings, all two of them. I have zero. That's fine. All right, all right. We're gonna clink. We're gonna clink some blue stone, man. Together. That's, that's you know right. what that is. That's, right. that's gonna be that. That's going to be that uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame ring. I can't wait to do that with you, man. Appreciate you coming on to Great Day Nation, brother. Same here. Uh, I really appreciate it. What a great interview, man. And uh, you're awesome, man. I love you, bro. And I love you back. All right, Steve. See you, bud. All right. Thanks, buddy. It was a great conversation with Steve, and I'm so happy. I'm, I'm so proud to be able to call him a Hall of Fame brother. Took way too long to get him in, but he's got the gold jacket now, and that's forever right there. But Freeze Pops, before we get into this week's Fast Five, tell our listeners where they can find us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at Great Dane Nation. Follow us on Instagram at Great Dane Nation VI. And remember, make sure you check out the video version of our interview with Steve Atwater on the Vegas Insider YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Vegas Insider TV. You can go back and check out our previous interviews with Roger Goodell, PFT Commenter, Charles Barkley, and many more. That's youtube.com slash Vegas Insider TV. Let's get into Morton's Fast Five. It's Morton's Fast Five. We're going to run through the five biggest games of the football weekend. We'll give you the Hall of Fame knowledge. You place your bets accordingly. We came out of the gates one in four to start the season. Not great, Morton, but week one is always kind of crazy. So, Morton, let's look ahead to week two here and start out with your Saints, New Orleans on the road at Carolina, Sunday at one o'clock on Fox. At the time of this recording, the Saints are three and a half point favorites. Morton, do you think the Saints can keep the momentum rolling into game two? I do. I do. And I know we got to go to Carolina. It's a division game. So it's important, obviously. Uh, They look great against Green Bay. And really, I mean, Jameis Winston, he outplayed Aaron freaking Rodgers. And then on the other side, you got you got Sam Donald, who had an awesome revenge game against the Jets. So I you can't count out. You cannot never, never count out Sean Payton's ability to make some magic with whatever personnel he has. And he's got plenty of weapons. And the Saints defense, man, come on. Underrated unit. Give him some props. They played well against Green Bay. I think they'll do the same. I know that McCaffrey is dangerous for the Panthers. They love working. The Panthers love working the ball to him as much as possible. But I see the Saints defense neutralizing him a little bit. Sean Payton will have his offense control the pace of the game. And we say who that and the Saints win. Next up, Chiefs are at Baltimore Sunday Night Football. 
NBC. At the time of this recording, the Chiefs are three-point favorites. And Morton, both of these teams, by their standards, a little bit of a rocky start to the season. Obviously, the Ravens get upset in Vegas. The Chiefs have to make a comeback to beat the Browns. How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I like Kansas City. Baltimore has to be very, very disappointed. That had to be a long flight back from Vegas uh, following that Monday Monday night overtime loss. I just think, again, Mahomes, who's now 45-10 and 10 as a starter in the NFL, he's too explosive. His game-changing plays completely demoralize you. It doesn't matter if they're down by two touchdowns or whatever. They come back in the second half. Mahomes improvises and he just does stuff that's old school, but yet new school. Uh, he's a complete quarterback and, and he's got weapons on offense. So I like Kansas City. Baltimore has a very short week. I know they're at home, but they got a ton of injuries. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Marcus Peters, on and on and on. So listen, they're a good football team, the Ravens. Kansas City's better. Next up, Titans are at Seattle Sunday at 425 on CBS. At the time of this recording, the Seahawks are five and a half point favorites. Does early season Russell Wilson stay on brand and have a massive week two against the Titans? What do you think? Yeah, I like I like Seahawks in this one. The Titans look very mm, flat in their opening game, in their opening loss. Listen, Derrick Henry only had like 50, less than 60 yards on the ground last week versus Arizona. And Arizona just threw the ball, I mean, five touchdowns against that Titans defense. I see the Seahawks taking care of business. Russell Wilson is a start. He was fantastic last week, and he tends to do a great, great job in the opening kind of half of the season, almost like an MVP candidate from the get-go. So I have the Seahawks winning this football game. Next up, Cowboys are at Los Angeles to take on the Chargers Sunday at 425 on CBS. At the time of this recording, the Chargers are three-point favorites. Are we underestimating the Cowboys here? Are we overrating the Chargers? How do you see this one playing out? I see the Dallas Cowboys winning this one. They were very close in Tampa. They played well. Like I said earlier, Dak Prescott really played well. And I mean, he looked like an MVP, really. I know Justin Herbert is, has looked good as well, and uh, he will continue to play well. But these are two great offenses, so it's going to be high scoring. But I see Dallas winning this this football game. Last game of this week's Fast Five, Texans are at Cleveland. Sunday at 1 o'clock on CBS, at the time of this recording, the Browns are the second heaviest favorites heading into week two, minus 12 and a half over Houston. Can the Browns cover that big number, Morton? Are the Browns going to blow out the Texans? I don't think they cover the number, but I do think they win. I, if I was to be controversial, I would say this could be a trap game. Houston played well against Jacksonville, well enough to beat them, but Jacksonville's not very good. They got a rookie quarterback, so Cleveland will win. They will win this football game. They gave the Chiefs everything they could handle. They were up by a couple of touchdowns. They might have even been up by 17. I don't remember, but uh, I think they win the football game. But 12 and a half is a big number, so I see Cleveland winning but not covering. I agree with you there. Uh, all right, that's Morton's Fast Five for this week. And uh, I'll just throw this caveat in at the end here. Uh, we're going to do better this week. I promise you. Oh, I hope so, man. That was a bad, <laughs> bad, bad start. Oh, people we are f***ing me, man. <laughs> we'll be better. Hey, there's always room for improvement. That's what it's about. Get in the film room. Set the bar and raise it. <laughs> exactly. All right, now it's time for Martin's Game Winner. Oh, happy, happy, joy, joy. Football is back and it feels good. I spent the last weekend watching college and pro games and was reminded of why football is the greatest sport on earth. The game is a microcosm of what is right in America. It is the quintessential American invention, uniquely ours to play, watch, and share with the world. At the heart of the game is the belief that the sum is more important than the parts. Football teaches us lessons that reaches far beyond any playing field. Sacrifice of time and choices, effort, discipline, tenacity, and toughness. In order to function as a team, everyone 
must understand and adhere to a set of rules of conduct. The esprit de corps comes first and foremost. Sacrifice for team first and individual honor will follow. Operate like fingers in a glove, separate and yet together. The spirit of the group is paramount. Unreasonable demands, high standards, uncompromising expectations, and relentless pursuit of excellence must be owned. That is football, and when done that way, oh, it's poetry in motion. Football has never been better and more entertaining than right now. We saw it this past weekend as the season started. High-scoring games decided by the smallest of margins. The difference between winning and losing, hinging on one play during a three-hour contest. I love the rhythm of the game. There's a cadence to it. It's methodical yet unpredictable. It's patient yet urgent. The most important element to remember is that the game has no memory. We must take on that responsibility and lift the game up through our great legends of the game and the new stars of today and tomorrow. This is the mandate of the millions of fans who now thankfully fill the stadiums and the lucky chosen few who get to put pads on and play the greatest game on earth. We'll see you next time. Great Dane Nation is presented by VegasInsider.com, the global leader in sports gaming information and your authority for the newest and best sports gambling podcasts. A big thanks to Steve Atwater for joining us this week. You can check out that interview on youtube.com slash TV. Great Dane Nation is available on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review today.